Hello, and welcome back to The Dive. <laughs> it is season three, episode 16. Woo! Super prepared. He knew that the whole time. <laughs> we never have to read off of scripts. Um, but we're coming back off of MSI. This is going to be the MSI recovery episode. Oh, have yep. you guys not done one since then? Uh-uh. Nope. So this is the first one. Is this where we get to downplay G2's success? Uh, <laughs> moving on. I'm interested. I'm interested to hear your take on it. Mark. No, no, it was it was just a joke because <laughs> I thought Yeah, that Travis getting flamed on his yeah. YouTube channel. Sorry, uh, go flame him. Yeah, everyone disliked his video because some negative comments about you too. I think. <laughs> yeah, oh. basically, I didn't really know the full context. Yeah, that's I just, it. Like, you got it. It. I just saw him complaining about it. What a bad boy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, though, how, what what uh, how are you guys feeling about going into worlds off of? Last year's Worlds, both EU and NA did, uh, you know, much better than historically they have. EU got finals, we got semifinals, and here at MSI, again, both of us getting finals, <laughs> one of us winning. <laughs> By a little. <laughs> By it was close competitive series. Small margin. Who showed up on the day, you know? <laughs> Any given Sunday. Uh, I'm excited. I, I think it's awesome, right? Yeah, we got blasted by G2 in the finals. Mm -hmm. That wasn't close. And and people were disappointed about that. And I get that. I was disappointed too, right? It was yeah. it was it was a hard series to watch. But that being said, you know, if if I told you going into MSI that we were gonna get make finals and get destroyed, you would have been like, Hell yeah, let's <laughs> go. Let's get smashed in those finals. Oof. I mean, we had we've had our two best international results ever now back to back that is extremely promising i think that is that is so exciting you know as far as a, a time to be an na fan and you know and, and i look back to to fanatic you know making finals uh last year at worlds and they, they got blasted right and caps is now here winning an international title and, and showing people that it is achievable it's not just that you know in the if you're a Western team, if you're from EU or NA, mm -hmm. you are only playing for scraps. You you can actually be the best team in the world, and I think you know G two has shown that, and that's so exciting. I wouldn't go into worlds like since you talked about like projecting yeah. forward. I wouldn't go in being like we're now gonna like beat IG again or anything like that because that felt like a crazy crazy upset, and that's what makes them so cool. But it does feel good for the region as a whole to think like well the, you can compete though. Yeah, we can compete. The playoffs in NA were really competitive, so like TSM and C nine are hopefully around Team Liquid's level. So if they're the ones who make it to NA or to to Worlds, that like we'll actually have the competitive group stage where more than just like one team is our savior, which was C9 in the last couple of years. Like it would be cool if two NA teams got out of groups. Wouldn't that be wild? You know, like I'm I'm ready for that reality. Dare to dream. I, I think I'm ready for it. I think it could happen. <laughs> that's that's one of the things I was most excited for um, because it, like Team Liquid doing so well, uh, you know, defeating the world, uh, defending world champions, making it to finals and everything. And I was like. You like that? We got two more of these at least. We got back, three of them back here in well, NA. Oh, three total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Who's two more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm not sorry. taking away the original one, <laughs> um, but that that makes people also really excited, looking forward to even just Rift Rivals. Yeah, because now EU NA Rift Rivals is a premier event coming off of an EU NA final. Best two regions in the world. I, mm -hmm. Where I mean, people are memeing it a lot. But literally, we defeated SK Telecom and Invictus Gaming. Like, yeah, th that those are super legitimate claims now to um, you know the EU NA Rift Rivals being like this super hype event, and we do get to see the deeper rosters, right? Mm. People do get to have TSM and Cloud9 there. All the people that were like, "Oh no, why did we send Team Liquid? I wish we had X team," you know, because of all the reverse sweeps. 
now we get to see you know a top three from all of them stacked up. Yeah, and, I'm, uh, that's gonna be fun. I'm actually so excited for <laughs> for looking forward to Rift Rivals and and Worlds. You know, as you said, we had three teams that were super competitive. You know, if we are assuming that Team Liquid having success on the international stage is indicative of the level of the other teams, you know, even even if like you can't get all teams out of groups or anything like that, you know, the world in which it's it's three teams that could be competing to get out of the group that are on that level, I think mm -hmm. is very, very exciting. And and for Rift Rivals, I think it's awesome too because, you know, I, I look back to, to last year's Rift Rivals and I think a lot of fans were understandably frustrated around the 100 Thieves situation uh, and the fact, you know, that the 100 Thieves had, had kind of ended up tanking before it and then they were, you know, testing out Academy players and everything. And I think people are really excited to see, uh, you know, kind of a, a good foot forward for our, for our region, you know, to see these three teams that, almost everyone is going to unanimously agree we're the strongest, you know, being, you know, representatives for, for Rift Rivals. Yeah, I'm super excited for it. I still think G2 it will be the strongest team there. Yep. Shocker. Uh, <laughs> After they 3-0 their own so, region, then 3-0 ours. Yeah. Three, <laughs> so, um, like, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting how uh, the format looks this year. I haven't heard the final like cut on what the format is going to be like you know like point systems and mm -hmm. stuff it's going to be the same as last year or whatever I think it's the same as last year okay um because uh then we still have a chance to win the tournament even if, if two of our even if g2 is literally the best because the, the, the final thing is the best of five where they have to like rotate in and out yeah so your best team can play twice but they can't play more than twice yeah. right? right so theoretically if g2 gets them two wins mm -hmm. then you could still win by never beating G2. My, my concern yeah. a little bit is just what some of the comments have been by some of the pro players because they sometimes seem like, oh, it's in the middle of our season and we're mm -hmm. doing all this other stuff and there's no like prize for winning this. Mm -hmm. But I think with the fact that NA and EU were the two finalists, hopefully that gives more importance to the tournament even for them to be like, hey, we're not just like fighting at the bottom of the table and like a laughing stock. Like we're actually potentially two of the best regions in the world and now I get to compete against potentially the best one of the other best regions in the world for practice for like honor or whatever because <laughs> I think a lot of EU fans and NA fans have a lot of riding on this whereas you know last year I don't think NA felt like oh even if we did well at Rift Rivals it meant a ton whereas now it's like if we can beat Origin and Fnatic like okay yeah G2 is like a super team but the rest of your region is not that great we're better and for Europe you know, like, you want to go in, beat them, be like, not only is G2 our super team, but we're better as a whole. And so I think fans are going to care a lot more about this Rift Rivals, and I hope that bleeds into the pro players who, when it's so far out right now, sound a little, like, meh on it. Oh, no, I've been caring a lot about you versus NA for 10 years, Mark. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like, it ebbs and flows and like, how, they how literally big. were flaming me before there was even a server in Korea. It was EU versus NA. That's how it started. It was Wicked and Hotshot. Where I is the first EU versus NA uh, rivalry that I remember because they both played um, top lane. And I remember the stream 200 ping scrims across the ocean. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I remember those days. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's definitely it's definitely an old river that runs very deep. <clears throat> Yeah, well, it's it's gonna be really exciting. I think looking forward, people definitely should be very happy. I think overall with with the results that NA has been putting forward internationally. Uh, but with that, let's uh, let's look forward to summer split. Uh, summer split obviously going to be starting this weekend. Uh, there have been some changes among the teams. We are going to do power rankings, but we'll probably talk mostly about you know teams that we think are are going to be doing a lot better or worse. Some of the teams that got some new players. Um, 
you know, the the three couple of some of the major pickups that I can really think of or changes, if you want to call them that. Obviously, uh, we had Amazing coming, joining 100 Thieves. Uh, TSM has has moved Greg back to the starting spot, so him and Acadian are apparently going to be sharing time there and they actually picked up an academy jungler so assuming they're actually actively going to be swapping back and forth uh you know would probably be what's happening there and the hundred thieves team is looking a little bit different they're using uh Soligo, uh also and cody's son oh yeah and cody's son yeah so actually and yeah. and with deed yeah 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 for for fly quest yeah. yeah changes everywhere yeah there are actually quite a few changes yeah um, I mean, I think we should start at the top of our list if we're going to do the power ranking list. Mm -hmm. So the top three that we've been talking about already for the show, Team Liquid, Cloud9, and TSM, what are your order for the top three, Mark? Do you even have a different team in the top three? No, my top three are oh. the same, yeah. but I have TSM number one, TL number two, and C9 number three. Okay. I actually have TSM above them, yeah. Wait, say it again. I said TSM number one. Okay. TL number two, C9 number three. Okay. So remember, this is regular season. Yeah. Uh, right. Regular this season is... predictions. This is not actually who who, who wins. And I, I'm actually I'm actually the same. And for the simple Get reason of... of I'm going for the shock value. You you one of you needs to be normal. What do you? I, I'm gonna mine. I have Team Liquid even lower. Is that more shock? Maybe I don't know. That just sounds like you've gone crazy. So uh, I'll have reasoning. I'll let yeah. So I mean, my my thought process is is simply that like I still think Team Liquid is is the odds on favorite to win the championship in summer and to to win again. I just think that there there is a real come down after an international event. Uh, where you know they were just competing to be the best team in the world. You know they were you know playing against all all these you know high stakes things, and they are taking a break after that, right? Yes, they are back to scrims now. Um, whereas you know a, a team like TSM is going to be so hungry, I think, to to prove themselves after having lost in the finals in reverse sweep. I think they are going to come out of the gates swinging. Where I think you know TL is more likely to have a, a slower couple early weeks, right? And it, it's not even that, like I'm saying, I don't think TL could, is the best team anymore. It's more that I think their their record in summer will be off to a slower start and they'll finish lower in the standings as a result. Why did you put them at second then? I have the same reasoning. I put them even lower. Because, because I still think that they're so good that they, they're going to win a lot of games. They yeah. literally just started practicing yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> like they haven't done any scrims and everything, all the work that they have been doing was on the MSI patch. Like, Scuttle Crab was, is the old Scuttle Crab spawning early and everything. Like, there's so much that's going to change. I expect, and the way that the schedule is with TSM having to play, or Team Liquid having to play TSM again right at the beginning, I expect TSM to win that game. Um, and I think that Team Liquid are, and deservedly so, I think the players should get a break um, mm -hmm. after, you know, so much international success and, you know, the top teams never have um, enough off time, but I do think that it is going to cause the very typical lag of the first place team at the beginning of the next split. We've seen it for so many years now. Um, the team that goes over to MSI will come back, have a very slow start, and it is due to practicing on the previous patch and then having a vacation afterwards. Um, and it brings up this topic of uh, burnout. Yeah. Before we get into burnout, I think the other thing too is like, like, uh, as they was saying, the stakes are lower and like your competition is lower. So like, it's just hard to get up to the same level of like, you know, like it's hard to explain to people who don't compete. But like when you're going up against someone you're expecting to beat 
and it's for nothing. It's for a regular season win compared to like, oh, I just played a best of five versus G2 to be the best team in the world. Like it's hard to reach the same levels of energy and engagement. So let alone the fact that you're potentially burned out and all this other stuff. It's just like I'm not playing, you know, Teddy and Mata and scrims every day. Yeah. Like honing <laughs> steel on steel necessarily. Like I think I think all that combines to make a very slow start for Team Liquid. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want to say before we get into burnout was just the TSM point about the junglers in case we don't get back to this. I think TSM, traditionally, historically, the way they, they've used subs is pretty bad um, in quotation marks, depending on what you're trying to get out of it. If you're just trying to make the best five-man roster, I think what they do is fine. Mm-hmm. But between having Turtle, saying that they would bring Grig back last split when they didn't use him at all, a number of other times that they've had like people behind someone ready to go, they never use them. And so I think whoever ends up being the better jungler for the team will just see like a hundred percent of the playtime come like even the after like two weeks or three yeah, weeks. Yeah. So you th- you feel like when TSM talks about using their substitutes and stuff like that, it's more of tryouts we haven't figured out. Yeah, who's that's the that's main. what it feels to me. It's not a substitution system, it's like a it's a depth chart battle. Um <laughs> and like eventually someone wins. Turtle never saw playtime once Doublelift came back. I expect, you know, if Greg is better than Acadium, they'll just select him. And mm-hmm. So, like, that's why I don't think it's going to be a problem for TSM between, like, finding synergy between the two. The one thing that, like, I, I normally would be 100% uh, agreed with you, and it may end up being that regardless, but the one thing that made me think they actually might be trying, you know, giving a real shot at this is, A, their coaching has changed. You know, it is, it is Zix now. And, B, uh, they picked up a separate Academy jungler. Right. So, you know, most teams, when they are doing this sort of thing, they're saying, oh, yeah, they're going to be a substitution role. But actually, one of them is just our academy player and he's going to be playing academy and the other guy's going to be the starter and he's going to be playing LCS. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of overlap. The fact that they actually have three junglers and one is listed, you know, other than these two as the starting academy guy, what kind of made me think, hey, maybe they're actually giving this a real shot. Uh, of of trying to set it up like some of these teams have have been successful with it in the past, right? When we've seen even Cloud9 regionally do it, and SKT famously had done it for many years. Yeah, I mean, I think the bringing the extra jungler is is a very good point because, uh, like, you know, Dardock and Meteos did swap time, but one of them was always playing in Academy last split. The thing about Zix, though, I disagree because I don't know if this is still spilling the tea or anything, but like, uh, I like <laughs> one of the. Tea? I haven't heard of that. You never heard spill the tea? No. Spill the tea, sis. No. It's just like what you say when someone's like got drama and they're dropping like the inside knowledge. Spill the tea. You guys are old. I know I'm the same age, but Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. You're the one talking about drinking tea. <laughs> uh, one of the problems that Zix ran into and one of the reasons he was <laughs> let go of was because he wasn't swapping rosters and experimenting. And he's always been super mm-hmm. set in his ways of like, these are the five guys I'm working with. And he doesn't, even if he mixes scrims for a little bit, they never see playtime. And so people like, people change, Mark. Maybe people change, <laughs> but. I, I'm betting against it. I like that. This is our first tea that has been spilled yeah. on the die. You guys have never spilled tea before? Are you juice the no. tea is being spilled? Here, 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 pour, <laughs> you have to pour some out. Pour some tea out? Yeah. Okay. This pour, is tea, by the way. Pour one out for the homies? Yeah. <laughs> this is oh, you actually did. <laughs> what are you doing? You madman. You think I'm not going to follow through, Mark? <clears throat> he doesn't back down. <laughs> I, bold what else can I get Kobe to do? <laughs> Bet I, you won't jump on. I, I really like uh, bringing up the point about the extra jungler, though, because um, you know that that is one of the biggest mentality shifts, right? Yeah. It, and that's that's part of of this whole substitution thing. Is like I'm not laughing at you. I'm just one person. I know. <laughs> I'm playing through it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that's one of the biggest things is the mentality, uh, and that's kind of the hardest battle for me 
when people are discussing all these like 10 man rosters and substitutions and stuff like that is the environment for these players. And this is such a mentally exhaustive game that it's very important to have the players like in, in a good state with feeling about sharing time and all that, that yeah. type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So if they're like, all right, I'm not the lower rung here i'm not the academy one or whatever and they're actually sharing time i still think it's a problem to share time literally mm -hmm. though because you have to split time in scrims you have to like you split time on stage for lcs it's not going to work yeah I, I think in the in the like happy fun you know everything is great world where both people are fully bought in both people are the best of friends both people are really happy to see the other guy play and they got different play styles have, have so different, exactly different play styles and there's you yeah. know everything is working damn that is good right like that is really really good but it is so hard to not feel like oh he's stealing my job oh if he does too well oh maybe i don't get to play anymore oh shit you know like, or like you have a bad scrim game and you turbo in and then suddenly it's like oh that might have hurt my chances of playing this weekend yeah i mean we've we've heard medios even talk about this and this is a, a very real thing i think you know the whole idea of even even when I was playing WoW, when people started having four man rosters, and sometimes there'd be overlapping classes, is the whole idea of like, do you really want to help that person fix their issues? If yeah. you, if if I'm like, oh, Kobe's doing this thing wrong, but like, I don't know if I really want to tell him because I'm trying to keep that spot right. Like, you're you're training your replacement, so to speak. And I know Media had talked about that in the past, and and how that can be a really weird dynamic on teams where it's like, especially if you have the one guy who's supposed to be you know the veteran player, and then the other guy who's supposed to be you know there as this like mechanical god or whatever, and supposed to be getting kind of trained up. I always like coming from the traditional sports world. I'm always like, I kind of hate hearing that mindset, but I can't deny that it is very like a very yeah. human reaction to it where it's like, you want to be like, we're a team and we're all going to get better together kind of, but, but you know. people in, in pro gaming are not brought up in that environment. That is the biggest difference to me. You're not like, if I'm in the NBA, I played, you know, like as a little kid in a, in a for fun league and then I played in my public school and then I played in my high school and then I played in college and now I'm in the NBA and I've been in the system the whole time. You know, being a pro gamer is like I sat alone and played on my computer and I was really good. And now I'm put with these other people and I have to do what they say. And it's like a, a very different shift. I think. All right. Right now, where do you lie on the Grig versus Acadian? Who do you think is going to be the most useful? Acadian. What was that? Damn. Did, you get, did we get that on, a, on camera? Acadian. No, but it was... <laughs> oh, the cheek thing? I don't know what that was. You told me it you're on, You're full in the Acadian camp. All right. I'm full because I think the biggest problem I've seen with TSM over the last couple of years uh, is sometimes they fall into like a very controlled play pattern mm -hmm. and they don't take big risks. And we've seen internationally how important it is to, to be willing to take plays that are not 90-10 plays, like go for the 60-40 sometimes. Yeah. And I think sometimes you watch Acadian do something really dumb and like kill himself, but I think he's also that spark plug that their early game needs, which I like a lot more than Grig, who I think is really controlled. Yeah, the the thing to me, like, like I, 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 my mind is telling me kind of the same thing, but... In the back of my head, I'm like, well, then why why would they even put Grig in back in the starting position, right? Because Grig has been away from this from the team for a while. I didn't think that he was gonna even get a shot to be back like on the LCS stage unless he had really proven himself to be better in scrims and internally. And that's the only thing that is kind of leaving that question in my mind is. You just had a, a really solid season with Acadian. He Acadian's got more praise than he ever has in his career, really. Why is he not the starter anymore if Grig is not, you know, heavily outperforming him or they internally don't feel that Grig is 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 better, right? And that that is the only thing kind of leaving me uh to feel like, you know, Grig is is maybe gonna be the the better candidate. All right. Let's move on to Cloud Nine then. Okay. 
Uh, you had them third. Third. What did you have them? Third. Third. You had them I second. Had them Why second. are they second? Uh, because I think that Team Liquid is going to drop more games at the beginning. Uh, it was mostly about uh, <laughs> Team Liquid dropping more games and me putting Team Liquid lower. Um, but I think that both Cloud9 and TSM are so hungry coming off of reverse sweeps. Mm-hmm. Um, like they have been practicing nonstop. The Cloud9 also has the deepest roster. Like they have amazing academy players. They have always, uh, you know, trained up all this new talent. So I feel like they also coming into it, um, and especially with Reaper as head coach, always try out a, a few more like hidden strategies, um, you know, versus their academy teams. And with with guys like Blabber and Golden Glue and stuff on the bench that could easily be uh, starters on LCS teams, I think that they're going to finish really strong. They're going to find the Sonoteric at the start of week one. Mm. Get the, the new Sonoteric? Yeah, whatever it is. You, me? Let's not go there. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it, 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 it's, it's not so, it's not shocking at all to say that that C9 could finish, you know, second or even first, right? They were tied with record to to TL yeah. in in spring, right? The only reason that they were second place instead of first because they lost the head to head. So, you know, I, I think it's totally conceivable for any of these three teams to be first. These teams were all very close. TSM, I think, had the slowest start of the three, but looked really good down down the stretch. So, you know, these are three teams that should be competing for first place, and I think that's really really exciting. Uh, to have had that in spring and to have no major shakeups on these teams going into summer. And you know, the only reason we're really focusing more on TSM here is because they're the only team that really changed something, right? right? And and that's why there's kind of more to talk about there. Uh, so maybe we can move move on to some of the uh, the other teams that are kind of sticking out to you guys. Over the, the rest of the league? Uh, I'd, say, to- I'd say the next highest one I have that made changes is FlyQuest. Mm-hmm. Um, bringing Wadid. I do think that... Um, because I've heard a lot about what Deed's communication is really good. Like he talks a lot, and I he did have success on G two. I know recently he had the complete opposite of success on Rogue, where that it was literally the worst team. Yeah. Did they win any games? Actually, they were two and. F- 16 or 2 and 14, whatever. Okay, so they won two games. Yeah, they won two. Um, I remember I looked it up recently. He's coming off a very rough split uh, in Europe. So I'm not like super hyped about it, but I do think it is an interesting pickup because um, I know that that is one of the things that FlyQuest was really looking to build on was the communication aspect. Yeah, I mean, I like Wadid. It's just hard to get excited about this because I think JJ is Mm -hmm. a pretty good player. I understand that Wadid's better. Um, but like, I never felt like the problem with FlyQuest that I, I have with like pushing them into the top three is not like a support position or communication. It's just like, you know, what a lot of people have always said, like raw carry potential. Like, uh-huh. you want star power. I want star power. And like, Wadid, and even the support position as a whole is not one where you're like, <laughs> yes, now this guy is going to. What about Core JJ? That's the star power. That's star power. I'll give you that. But like, if he wasn't, if you just put Core JJ on like Optic. I wouldn't be like, hey. <laughs> really? That would be a great story. Reuniting with Crown. You know, they had to All do right. It. I, I mean, not narratively. Okay, what if he's bum. on what if Core JJ is on FlyQuest? Are they in the top three? Maybe. But like I think Wadid's not Core yeah. JJ. Yeah. So like I think, you know, it's hard for me. I think they'll still be fourth. I have them fourth as well. Yeah. I think this is a good pickup. I have no problems with it. It's just like it's doesn't have enough like wow factor i guess to make yeah. me be like to, to reconsider their standing in the league or like who this team is fundamentally there's like not that big of a change from my 
outside opinion. That's that's kind of how I'm looking at it too. I think it it doesn't bump them into into the top like top three, but I think it does kind of solidify them as you know like mm-hmm. certainly going to be a playoff team. I think I think this is an improvement for the team. JJ was really solid as you said, um, but FlyQuest was impressive. I mean, they were the only team outside of top three with an over 500 record. First of all, right. So you know, as long as they are you know improving steadily, they are going to be solidly a playoff team. They should be able to compete. But I don't think that you know outside of the top three, like any team should be favored you know against against those top guys. I think yeah. that like you know in and in playoffs especially, it's going to be so incredibly hard to challenge them unless you know a team is improving by leaps and bounds throughout the regular season. That's that's kind of an interesting topic. We've got our own gap in mm-hmm. the LCS and. All the players themselves were talking about it last split, and it was the top three versus the field, everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, FlyQuest and Golden Guardians felt maybe like the two closest contenders. Um, let's see, Golden Guardians, they added Academy players, but I don't think they changed any main roster. Yep, and who he joined, Darshan joined. Yep. Um, who he has support. Who he has support, which <laughs> I think is, is really interesting, too. You know, that that's actually kind of exciting for, for me, and, and I mean, again, he's not on a team where they have like a really bad support or something where you think maybe he could get playtime. But I, I kind of felt like when he when he you know got replaced and he talked about potentially doing a role swap, support kind of makes sense because you know from everything that people talk about him, like he is you know a very good player with communication. He's really good at checking cooldowns. He's really good at like a lot of those parts of the game. But like his laning and stuff has never been as strong. Uh-huh. I think there's less me- a mechanical requirement for support than there is for a mid laner, certainly, right? Um, so it'll be interesting to see if mm-hmm. he can add a lot of value, you know, in that way. Um, there are certainly some supports that that do require you know like heavy mechanics, but like you can play an entire season without anything being. I think this is such an interesting discussion because people always, um, you know, people identify so strongly usually with their main role mm. that there are always these discussions. And it started. I'm a build player. I'm unbiased. <laughs> you you're say, a top laner. You say that, but we all know what you are. You're you're, you're a that's, filthy that's you're so a filthy fraudulent. split push top it's laner. Not, no, it's not, not fraudulent. We know you better than you you know yourself. Probably. Yeah, you'll play whatever, but like if you give Isaac it's, some time and you're like go cr- climb, what is he playing? Yeah, it, or playing top. Bill. You're playing top. It, it's like um, when when your world. buddy your buddy is like. Yeah, you know, I uh, I, I play Yasuo and Riven and Talon. And we're like, yeah, but you're uh, very bad. <laughs> <laughs> what was that one? <laughs> Average. Average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Average. Very bad on <laughs> two out of three of those. <laughs> yeah. You're a one trick. It's like when I said I could play Thresh when I played support. I couldn't. I yeah, couldn't. But here's the difference. I don't say I can play any of the super complicated champions. <laughs> I'm playing, I like, in the roles that I'm bad at, I'm not like, yeah, I'm a Draven player when I play bot lane. Uh-huh. No, I'm playing some Caitlyn or some Tristana <laughs> or whatever, you know? Um, but as far as the specific support versus mid laner one, I do feel like supports um, can be super mechanically intensive, but just not in this carry-oriented mindset, right? So to me, one of the things I've been thinking about so much is like the different mindsets of the types of champions that you play um, and how you want to play through the game maybe is even a bigger difference than where you play the champion or what role because we've had so much discussion with uh, you know perks moving from mid to bottom and stuff around this kind of topic and with impact you know tanks carries um, side lanes it's just like these different champions are classified by what lane they're played in Mm -hmm. rather than how they want to actually play in the game. 
you know, how you want to play team fights, how you want to actually operate. And I think that that is probably the more precise restriction or description for these things. So you're talking more about like mindset mm-hmm. required, right? Well, I think like, you know, the idea like Alistar is not the most complicated champion to play and mechanically yeah. like, yes, you can mess up his headbutt pulve combos or yeah. whatever, but like what makes a good Alistar is like finding the flank and like knowing what, how, how long yeah. to sit in that brush before it's a waste of yeah. time and like how to roam effectively. And like the mechanical skill comes from your consistency and being able to execute like medium level skill plays, whereas like you're not playing Zed and have to manage like three shadows and figure out like the exact optimal outplay. So like That's true. What about like so like maybe Pike? I think Thresh is the most difficult Thresh, mechanical yeah. Thresh, champion. Thresh definitely, yeah. Yeah, like there's definitely hard mechanics, but it's it's I think a lot more. We have a another Yumi teaser here. When when yeah. when are we when are we going in on? Yeah, uh, I mean I was watching uh, for the who you playing Yumi actually. <laughs> okay. Um, but but I do think to me like I, I think you made a good point because uh, I think it's very much about mindset when you're playing yeah. different types of champions. When people brush you know tank players aside as oh well tanks are easier to play because it's low mechanics. When I say support is is like a lower mechanical thing than mid lane, I don't mean that it's easy to be a great support. I just mean that like that that is something that you can you can excel in other areas and sometimes make up for it yeah. right. Um, it's it's the whole tanks versus carries thing. Like the best pl- carry players sometimes are not good tank players, even though the mechanical requirement is so low, because they do not have a good understanding of of the things that you need to be a great tank player. Right mm-hmm. of of how much damage you can take. Should you be diving? Should you be peeling? When do you engage? Where do you engage? Do you need to be flanking? Do you need to be sitting on your carry? Like all these different things are are different. Uh, different skills that are not necessarily like, super well displayed on the screen. You watch a fight, yeah, okay, this guy ran in press W and that guy ran in press W, right? It looks the same. Yeah. Uh, great, they're both good Maokai players, but it's it's about when they did it, where they did it, how they did it, and that is like I th- why I think there's a, an enormous difference between different levels of tank players and how these guys play out team fights. And that isn't about mechanics because you know any any of us three can can execute any of the like Maokai mechanics required about as complicated as it gets is dodging skill shot with a W or knocking someone over the dash with your Q right. Yeah. This is not complex, but it's about where you are on the map and 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 when you are doing your things. And that's why I think it's it's kind of cool to see you know the the massive difference in play between two players playing a, a so called easy champion. You know where one can be one of the best players in the world and another could be you know hearts up bronze or whatever. But you're both you know using the same mechanics. To tie that back into Golden Gardens, I agree with most of that. I'm not convinced that this is going to be a great role swap. I think like the idea of, of Huki being a uh, more team-oriented player has always been true, and he's a big mm-hmm. playmaker and all that stuff. But like, I can't think of too many players like late, late in their career who make that that swap, and it goes super well. I guess like maybe Ambition, but even then, he swapped mm-hmm. in terms of how many years he was a pro player. It was like what. Two or three mid versus mm-hmm. like six, so who knows? Um, and but it's also academy. Right? It's also like, academy. It's just taking a shot, and if it yeah. works out really well, then great, it pays off. Yeah, uh, I think have to mention FBI for Jake Spawn Tiberi. Was Otherwise, he I was, wasn't even going to mention Jake, but I wouldn't <laughs> mention this without his pressure. So <laughs> FBI is a very, very, very good uh, Australian player. Yeah, I thought so. Um, I mean, he played in play-ins. Uh, he had at least one super hard carry uh, yeah. game that I saw. Mm-hmm. He got ranked three on the Korean ladder, I think Spawn was saying. Yep. So he's he's definitely up there. He's really good. Yeah, I mean, Jake had been talking about him a lot, you know, and, and watching, you know, doing play-ins, watching him in OPL. He was extremely dominant. Watching him at play-ins, he was certainly like, you know, their team wasn't as good as some of the other teams, but he individually stood up. 
um, and Jake, you know, had had been a, a big kind of supporter of him talking about how he really does think that this guy has been LCS and LEC ready for a while and that, you know, it just kind of needed to get that shot. So it'll be interesting to see if he can, you know, work his way up. Because I want to say it was, was it Lost was the last? Uh... Lost was the guy that they got, that Echo Fox. Yeah, yeah. Lost but he, he only played, yeah. you know, a short a short amount of time when he came over. So it'll be interesting to see if FBI is actually able to, to really establish himself here or if he will kind of wallow away in in academy because it's always kind of sad to me when you you see these big talents come over and then it never really pans out for them levi was another example you know where i was so excited when he was coming over to the lcs he never played a single lcs stage game i don't believe unless he played at rift rivals but i don't think so no because they had the uh import rule to deal with so they, they were, never wanted to take yeah. out yeah they were messing around um so another player so it didn't really work out i do I'm I'm very excited though for the Golden Gardens one because I feel like their bottom lane um, is a possible area where they would make changes. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're talking so much about their academy changes right. here because you know them adding Darshan, FBI, and Huhi, um, those are possibilities. I think Darshan's probably the lowest possibility of yeah. making it onto the LCS team because I think Hunter was great. Um, extremely good. So, but FBI probably has the highest chance uh, for me for possibly making. They would need stage. to swap Froggen or Ole out to get FBI on, right? Yeah. Well, what I was thinking they could do if Huhi and FBI yeah, are playing lane. so much yeah, together, right, it would yeah. be a bottom lane yeah, switch. Yeah. yeah, because then Ole versus yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that'd be really interesting, right? And, and we do have a recent example of a guy coming from a smaller region, Broken Blade, right? Like Broken Blade yeah, uh, has, has been absolutely incredible for TSM. So you know, it, it's interesting because I, I, I was having some of this discussion, you know, during playing with some of the people and. And, you know, a lot of the, the kind of coaches and analysts from some of these other regions really do strongly feel that while their teams are, are maybe not as good as some of the ones from the major regions, they do have individuals who are as good and who would thrive. Um, and, you know, a lot of these guys are of the opinion that that there should be more imports from the smaller regions uh, than necessarily, you know, some of the major ones because there are these kind of like untapped and resources. It's also funny that you use the term smaller region because a lot of them are actually bigger. Bigger player bases. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Bigger player bases. Well, I mean, smaller competitive scene, however yeah, you want to yeah, call yeah, it, yeah, merging yeah. region, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, but like the idea that more teams should be scouring the internets for untapped diamonds in the rough in, in the emerging regions to put on at the very least an academy team like Golden mm -hmm. Guardians is doing is exactly, I think, the, the right thing for yeah. North American teams rather than just being like big name player from Korea whose team just lost and is probably depressed. Let's sign him. <laughs> Especially for Academy. I think yeah. it's a great way to use Academy is to try players out like this and see if they if yeah. they fit, right? Academy to me should be you shooting your shots on on unproven talents and seeing if yep. they work out. And and if it does, it could pay off big for you. <laughs> All right. I want to talk about another uh, couple of changes then. Okay. Uh, because CLG did add Ruin to replace Darshan who went to the golden guardians academy um and they I, i'm not quite sure if this is gonna be like the big you know change that the organization needed um rune was rune was pretty good but has your faith returned kobe is that no. what you're talking about because we're still in the the four or five position for the most part in our power ranking suddenly you're bringing clg up do you have i mean they they finished what seventh they finished yeah. seventh before yeah. so i mean are you having them in the playoffs with rune as the I, I don't so have we all, them we all have Black, Blackwest GGS, I'm assuming. For yeah, four yeah, yeah. We, well, I mean, we both have that. And then yeah. it's Echo, Echo Fox, Fox CLG, six. Optic, Clutch, 100 Thieves. Yeah. I guess you can put forward. Okay, let's do it that way. Put forward of of these last ones. Your playoff team? Your your playoff team. That's actually a fun way to do it. Who's, yeah. your, who's your playoff team out of out of the remaining one? I have 100 Thieves. Whoa! 
all the way from last place. We're Rocket, doing it. Rocket Mortgage up the. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just signed Courage. JD, the uh, yeah, 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 yeah. the yeah. video is really helped their League of Legends. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't want to steal your CLG Thunder if if uh, you have them. Who do you have? I was just going down changes. Oh, okay. Uh, so you go ahead on uh, 100 Thieves because they also made some changes. They made some changes. So they brought in Amazing uh, for the Jungle and Soligo, who was already playing a little bit at the end of the last split. Uh, for the most part, Soligo was like losing lane. Kind of he was doing okay though. Like, yeah, he, I, I thought he was like fairly even. Even when he went up against like Bjergsen, he was like doing okay. He, yeah. he was he was like low four percentage and usually had yeah. like a, a pretty sizable CSD like ten. But like he never died a ton. He was usually like stable in lane at the very least. It is very hard over the course of a full season to pick up a ton of wins if your mid laner is always down pressure. Yeah. Uh, but I think. If that means Amazing is doing a good job finally snowballing the side lanes, which is like what people have been waiting for forever for 100 Thieves to do, then like I don't think anyone believes that they lived up to their potential last split. No way in terms of talent should they be a 10th place roster. These are at worst side grades, right? And so like if they're fixing the synergy problems that they had, the communication, the attitude, maybe they're no longer being like, we're going to be a top three team, and then they lose four games and their mental goes boom. Because they were four and four at one point last split. Like mm -hmm. they were not... Like, they lost so many games in a row at the end because it felt like they mental boomed. Mm -hmm. I feel like you can't mental boom when you're coming from a 10th place team and you know what you're signing up for. You can for. still be mental boom. You can still be mental I, boom, but it's, it's not going to come out Mark of nowhere. Mark is a lot of stuff right now, but yeah. I'm not really here. <laughs> like, this is why they're going to be the playoff team. Yumi's back for Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm kidding. Uh, I think they have a lot of hard carry potential in their <laughs> sidelines, which a lot of the other teams are lacking. Yeah. Um, that they're competing against. Like, yeah. with all due respect to a lot of these other guys, like, I don't think Biofrost and Stixe and Rune are, are better. I don't think Dokla and, and Arrow are better. And I think, like, they have, have better mid laners, maybe. But, like, if Soligo can go even for the most part, even slightly behind, as long as he's not dying and can mm -hmm. follow up on plays, I think this team does have the ability to turn around, not all the way back up to a top four team, like we were all saying in spring, but yeah. at least into in the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah. The, the thing that's kind of interesting about it for me is is it just depends on like so it's 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 funny because it you're like oh you know when he predicts it but this is a team that people had as top three yeah in the spring and then the end of the tenth right so um my concern is less you know like can the players on paper you know perform you know if they're playing really well could they be that yes of course uh you know I think it's it's about it is for me a question about the mental and and if they're going to be able to fix their issues because they looked like such a defeated team down the stretch. It looked like they were just giving up in games and, and not necessarily fighting for inhibitors. And, you know, like somebody would get massively ahead in lane and then they just kind of would just like sit in the side lane and never, never do anything. It was like, it was hard to watch. Impossible to mental boom in 10th place. Say, oh, Mark just said it. Yeah. Which I'm <laughs> you, you, disagreeing with. So. Amazing joined the 10th place team. If they end up 10th, he's not going to be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree with that too. Um, so, so to me, it's, it's kind of about like, you know, is amazing joining the team enough of like that mental reset where everyone's like, great, everything's mm -hmm. good again. Because you do kind of get that honeymoon phase sometimes when a new player comes in where everything is feeling good and fresh and you can do it. And, you know, and if they can, they can kind of turn things around off that, then I think this could certainly be a playoff team and maybe even competing for higher, higher than sixth. Um, but coaching hasn't changed. And I think, you know, uh, at the end of the day, a, a lot of what you're going to have to look at is going to be issues within how they were coaching the team and how it was handled. When you talk about mental boom, that is something that is at the end of the day responsibility of the coaching staff 
to be able to kind of handle and work through it and, and get this team to a place where they're still, you know, competing to the full potential that they have. Uh, and they never did that. I kind of, how do you feel specifically about the change here? How do you think as an individual amazing is going to do? Cause he's been doing coaching and like analyst desk segments and stuff um, in Europe. And um, people aren't even really quite sure where he's going to land on the LCS stage. Uh, uh, even as a veteran, what are you thinking? I'm hoping he has like a bit of that Medios effect. And I think junglers in particular have that where like you don't necessarily need to be like grind lording as hard in the jungle position. I think it's actually probably the easiest position to take breaks in and come back and like still have a, a mm, good. But it changes all the time. It Mark. changes all the time. But like. <laughs> Those are more cerebral changes than mechanical changes, I think, about, like, understanding, like, okay, yeah. well, Scuttlecrab spawns a minute later now, so my path is this now, and this influences my ganks at these timings, and level two junglers aren't important. Like, it's less about, like, oh, my God, what, how does this champ work now? Which I think happens a lot in other positions when there's a big meta change. Um, so I think I'm hoping he's able to come back. He's always been, I think, uh good player around playing around his lanes which i think ando was not very good at like mm -hmm. they really struggled to snowball top lane as much as they should have yeah i think they even they publicly said like one of the big issues was communication uh with jungle was was one of the big reasons mm -hmm. for the change yeah and, right, and like direct. part of the problem is like two of them are korean speakers so, like amazing's not gonna yeah. fix that probably <laughs> but at the very least i think he conceptually understands what a laner might want more because I think Onda was like good about efficiency and like pathing, but not necessarily like I'm going to do something inefficient to snowball a lane. Interestingly, on Collegiate, if you didn't watch, I was talking with uh, one of the junglers and he was talking about how uh, CKG is really good. He's He doesn't understand jungling, <laughs> like pathing, but he's really good about getting his laners ahead because he used to be a laner. And he was talking about the differences that junglers have in those, those kind of skill sets. And I think that's hopefully something amazing can bring is like, mm. you have strong side laners, get them ahead. Your efficiency is not as important for this team. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's always so interesting about jungle is that you need the holistic understanding of the entire game more so than every yeah. other role. Because you have to understand every single matchup yeah. of all of your teammates plus what you're doing, right? Yeah. Use that to navigate. If you're blue side, it's like, I don't care if you cycle Krugs effectively if I'm playing Jace and I need you to protect my wave because if Jace gets ganked and killed, Jace is now useless. Like, a jungler needs to understand that more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, mm -hmm. when someone is like, no, but my Krugs are up and I have to or, cycle Krugs because they're the most efficient camp, it's like, that's not how you win the game. Yeah, or or to be fair, you can have laners who can effectively explain that to you as long yeah, as you have for sure, for sure. But that's where communication becomes so important, right? If you can't communicate effectively with your teammates and you don't understand the matchup and they're not explaining it to you why it matters so much, then then yeah, I think it's going to be pretty doomed. All right, what about you, Azale? Who's getting your playoff spot? Oh man, it's actually it's actually really hard. Um, I, you know, I, I'm willing to bet on CLG um, just because I, I think so. Like, Ruin, I don't think is like, you know, the, ne the next coming. I don't think he's going to absolutely dominate the league or anything mm -hmm. like that. The The real question to me is, is like, if uh, CLG is going to kind of adapt their play style to how he played, or if he's going to adapt his play style to how, how, you know, CLG wants him to play, because Ruin was very heavily a split push player. He's a carry style player, and he wins games by like, 
playing side lanes almost entirely, right? Like when you watch their finals, um, as well as a lot of him play-ins, you know, champions like Rise were super high priority for him, and he's going to put himself ahead. He's going to prioritize getting his own farm, and he's going to win through, you know, side lane dominance. And I do think that that can be, you know, a, a, like a fairly effective style, and it's kind of what Darshan had been in the past. And I do think that individually, Ruin is going to be better than Darshan was. So, you know, if you have another strong lane there, like that could, I think, spell good things for the team. Um, you know, especially when, you know, you have like Power of Evil, who I still yeah. think is, is a very strong laner. If he has more pressure elsewhere on the map, then maybe he can do good things with that. I think the the pitfall that, that could occur is if you try to take, you know, this split push guy and slap him on some tanks and say, all right, now you're playing weak side of the map every game. Well, maybe that's not going to work. And and the other risk is certainly like, can CLG adapt to play more around those split push styles, right? Uh, so I think that is the, the big question for me. But I do think CLG was really close to actually making playoffs last time around. I still think Ruin is an upgrade over Darshan. And I think that, you know, these, these kind of clump of teams are all very close. And I do think that that pickup could make a difference. I think that the bot lane, or bottom of the LCS is way harder to predict than, than the yeah. top for sure. And I think the thing that scares me for CLG is I'm not convinced that like Darshan was the problem specifically. Like I agree, he was you know probably past his prime, one of the weaker top laners in the league. But like I don't see Rune. They have a lot of issues. They have a lot of issues. As, but as my all these concern. teams do. Right? A lot of these teams do. I think for CLG, like some of their org left this offseason. I haven't heard any substantial additions to it. Uh, they were doing really weird drafts. They were swapping players around at pretty random times in the season. Like I personally still maintain that. Like I think it was their week seven change tanked their chances at making playoffs. I thought they were a playoff team if they didn't make those changes. And like mm -hmm. that's those kinds of decisions aren't maybe going anywhere. Uh, so I think Rune is not a significant of enough upgrade. And I think if the other teams also improve, like if Echo Fox, if Rush is not dying all the time in the first four <laughs> weeks you know if he has a good split yeah. the entire time like we saw in the the last couple of weeks like i think echo fox will still be above clg and those kinds of things yeah uh, the echo fox and clutch uh gaming i think both of those teams have a decent chance uh, i was having a really hard time making my case for optic i was trying to like make a case for each one of these teams and i was like optic didn't make any changes and I love their mid and jungle situation. Um, and they even said that I think Medios is uh, more, is, is like the full time now, right? Okay. So they have more like established, mm -hmm. um, even though they still have Dardock on there, I think. Um, but the side lanes for them, I, uh, I feel pretty, like it's very difficult to predict them making it in without some changes going on on the side lanes, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it is going to be tough, and I mean, for a lot of these teams, it's it's like the differences between these teams w was very slight, right? Through mm -hmm. you know yeah. nine nine ten was like pretty far down, uh, top three was pretty far up, and then you had this this like crunch of teams in the middle. You know, FlyQuest, Gold Guardians, Echo Fox, uh, CLG, <laughs> and Optic were all like two games apart from top to bottom, yeah. right? You know, CLG and Optic were one game behind Echo Fox. Like this is this is a matter of, of inches between these teams. And I think it is about, you know, who can make, like who has the most obvious things to improve upon. And that is again, kind of, uh, you know, what you're talking about with CLG is, is kind of almost something that, like I'm assuming that they can recognize too, yeah. because I also agreed when they were swapping in their academy. So when they when they made the academy swaps, they lost almost every single game. I believe maybe they even did lose every single I think game. They with were their... zero four or zero five or something. Yeah, with them. exactly. Right, and they so, did it against weak opponents. They would lose against TSM. 
Yep. In in TL or something, and then go play Optic, and then make their swap. Then so it's, it's like those are when you need to pick up land. Exactly. And I mean they're they're seven eleven. So you you look at like oh four oh five with that against uh, opponents that you maybe could have <laughs> actually like. I thought their seven eleven was gonna be um uh reference to oh, oh. <laughs> um so it's, it's to me it's like that that is something where you. Like you hope that the coaching staff and, and you know the management there like recognize that those were problems and they need to focus heavily on making playoffs. And if that is the case, that seems like the the team was already capable of picking up a number more wins, which would have put them in playoffs. So you know that is something that is is maybe an easy grab. Um, you know, clutch uh, piglet is out and Cody Sun is in. That yeah, is another I'm excited for the one. return of Cody. Yeah, I mean, Cody Sun, I think, is is a guy that like really kind of just fell off off the map. It was kind of weird to to a lot of people uh, when you know, like he, he got essentially subbed out. He stopped being used. You know, e- even at like at Worlds and all these things, there was all the all the kind of drama with Hundred Thieves. Um, then he was put on clutch. You know, they stuck with Piglet pretty much the whole way through. Now it is back to Cody Sun. And even just as a playstyle, I think he works a lot better on clutch, where you have like a very resource heavy top laner with Huni, and then. Piglet also played super aggro, and so like if one of those lanes fell behind, usually like it's just so hard to win from that. I like Cody Sun, who's a lot more passive in lane, which will allow them to focus on the top side, hopefully. And then he's still a really competent, good mid and late game team fighter. So like with crit marksman maybe coming back with some of the changes, like hopefully he can just chill out in the bot lane wall, top side of the map makes all the plays in the early game, and then they go from there. So like I think this change does a lot of good for for clutch yeah i actually saw um interview with demonte um uh last week or something like yeah. that and he was feeling like super confident. He was like oh yeah the scrims are going great Hooney's returning back to form and i was like oh who stock you buying yeah, okay, i feel who's like your, who's your six by it's the way always i feel like our discussions with with those teams are always like is Hooney coming back yeah. like we did that the whole split right because Huni at his best is going to get you a lot of wins. Yeah, I, and um, it didn't happen in spring, but um, like I got excited again. So I was like, "Oh, <laughs> no, no, ha- no matter how many times it happens and it comes up, uh, not to be true." You're like, "But is he though? tails? Is tails? Yeah. Who you tails. bet on, Kobe? Who's your number six? Who's um, I mean, I had I had CLG, but then you went with uh, CLG, so I it doesn't think- mean you, have you, to you can have the same. It's not taken. Yeah, but it's not as interesting. So we don't. Have to- <laughs> Explain. We can more. talk about other people. Like, who's your tenth? I bet we all have different tenths. Yeah, and we we did touch on all of them. I think that I am going to take um, Echo Fox actually, because Rick Fox just got out of di- uh, Iron Four. He's no longer the ninety eighth ranked player. <laughs> yeah, he got some advice from Double F and his son, and he's climbing just like the team is gonna climb <laughs> into playoffs. How you like that answer? Is there? I like. I liked my own answer more when I wasn't even picking them about Rush doing better. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think Echo Fox has a lot to improve on, even without needing roster changes. Just how different that team looked between the first half of spring and the second half of spring. Yeah, and I mean, even if individual by individual, right? Yeah, uh, we talk. We we're talking about the Hooney thing. You know, when's he coming back or whatever? But the same question is all around rush right mm-hmm. uh there are these players that we have seen have success right in front of our eyes um that did not perform last split and the memories are still there right so the belief is definitely still there that there's a possibility for either of these guys mm-hmm. who's That's- your 10th place teams 
This is oh, this is my God. favorite. That's just a mean one. I like what? It's it's <laughs> part right, of all predicting. Right. All right, number right. ten. Number ten. Um, set. We can we can skip seven, eight, nine if you guys want, or we can do all of them. I don't care. It's. I mean, it's just if there's other changes that you're kind of interested in with those teams, right? We've covered, I think, most of the. It makes me sad, but I'm gonna throw optic then. That's mine actually too. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's actually what I had. What? Oh, okay, never mind. Uh, I thought it would be more interesting. That makes it, yeah, that makes it seem so like had, it's a given, but I feel like there's no. I, I think it's, I think it's pretty much coin flip. Like, yeah. So I, I have my my top ten uh, was CLG I had there, and then I had Echo Fox, Hunter Thieves, Clutch, Optic, um, and but I but I really think that anywhere from six to tenth is like super up in the air, mm-hmm. and and I don't feel. Like really confident about about any of those uh, any of those spots. I think it's really hard to actually predict um, the bottom half of the table. Uh, any of those five teams, I think, you know, because they're they're pretty fair, uh, close within striking distance. You know, if hundred thieves performs better, them going from from tenth to sixth is not a shock. Uh, I think it's it's similarly said, you know, with clutch and with a lot of these teams because it was it was small differences between them. Um, the only reason that I really had optic there is I just like for me, it, they didn't make any changes. It felt like they like it's it's maybe kind of weird to say, but I felt like they were performing at at the level that they're going to be performing at, right? And I felt like there was more room for growth for some of these other teams. It's hard to convince yourself why they would look better for spring, yeah. And so, like, even though they weren't tenth last time, in fact, they were their eighth, right? Yes, yeah. yeah, I believe for because it play. was uh, Echo Fox six it's tied for seventh, yeah, tied for seventh. So, like, if nothing changes and they're playing at their level, they could be seventh again. Yeah. But it's just. Maybe it's it's a kind of bias where you're like, well, why would they get better? Like CLG made a change, they should get better. Echo Fox should be performing better. Hundred Thieves should be performing yeah. better. Clutch should be performing better. And so, even if they play the same level and play play seventh again, it's just like right now hard to justify. I mean, the the two teams that were under them in the standings last time, I think both like did improve. You know, yeah, exactly. And I, like I have I have more faith in Hundred Thieves. Like I don't believe that they were a tenth place quality team. I think they should be getting better. I do think that. Uh, like switching away from Piglet to Cody Sun should help. Yep. I think clutch quite a bit. You know, CLG, I do think Rune is an upgrade over Darshan. Those are your three closest competitors. And, you know, and if those teams are are, are all getting better, then it, you have to do something more. You have to do something special. And and Optic felt like pretty even keel throughout the split. So in, unless you know, they are really like improving individually and, and making some more like, you know, kind of individual changes, um, I, I think it can be kind of hard to keep pace because these teams were already very close. All right, let's get into the patch then. How these teams are going to do right off the bat with 9-10. We actually skipped a couple patches since we last saw competitive. So a lot of things are going to be updated, not just 9-10, the Scuttle Crab. Uh, I know you guys were really big on the Aatrox changes. Um, but as far as specifically 9-10, we've been alluding to Yumi all show long. And um, I feel like after the hot fixes, she's in a fairly strong um at least power level situation right now and i've talked to a bunch of pros and actually they're pretty split on it as far as the the people that i have talked to some of them still think uh she's not good some of them think that it's very it's very strong now when you uh have the right composition to pair it with do you guys think it's going to be used in competitive uh what are you what are you feeling about the yumi release um so i i think as far as soul Q goes I think it's getting it's just getting massively stronger the longer it's out because like I, I've played some some Yumi I've played some against Yumi laning and no. you know just in the teams 
I found one of the hardest things was even once I felt like I understood the champion, if my teammate, like if I, who I'm landing with doesn't understand it and doesn't understand that like my Q range is attached to them, they need to be, you know, like moving forward if the other team is moving back and these sorts of things. Like uh -huh. there's, a, there's a lot of kind of coordination issues there. My biggest concern for Yumi for competitive play actually has nothing to do with the individual strength of the champion. It's how do you get vision as a Yumi player moving around on your own, how do you match roams as a Yumi player? And, and these sorts of things that are, are much less important in solo queue and are critically important in competitive play. It's the same reason that we have often, you know, asked the questions of like, oh, why isn't there more like Zyra or Brand or Velkaz or whatever? They're so good in lane, right? You know, they're so annoying. Look at all the sick poke they can do. And the answer is almost always, well, yeah, but what do you do past 10 minutes when you're supposed to be warding up around dragon and these champions can't face check it's so heavily why we see the brahms and the alistars and the tom kenches because you can walk up to a brush and not get one shot yumi starts the game with like 450 health or something like that like you are so squishy if you are not leashed to someone uh you will die and and maybe there are adjustments that you can make where the jungler is just always paired up with you and you're always leashed to jungler and then you go around as a squad and get vision um but i still think that there is a lot of times in competitive play where you need to be able to make these solo ventures to match roams to mid lane to be able to, to secure vision on your own i think yumi is really going to struggle to do that uh if you can kind of get around that by playing super heavily with your jungler then great i think you know it has a lot of team fight presence i think it's, mm -hmm. it's a, a fairly strong and annoying laner or can be at times um but i just think that there it's so risky uh, play to be played in the mid game, and I think that even for lane, some of the hard engage answers are there. Like I, I played Nautilus into this, it felt like an absolute joke. Like is if if Yumi is fully attached to the person and not coming out for auto attacks and stuff, you just win the all in every time. And if she does unleash, she gets like one shot by by some of these all in champions. It's it's I think you know a, del a delicate balance. Uh, so before we get into maybe some of the design of it, like just the um. The, I think it's going to be one of those changes. A lot of people think it's strong right now in like warping scrim meta, but mm -hmm. that's what I've heard as well as some people saying oh, they don't think it's that good. It feels like a lane-focused champion, so it's mm -hmm. no surprise that like in scrims it's going to feel like a powerhouse, but on stage it might not. Yep. It was brought out a couple times in collegiate. It almost always looked good, but then they lost, I think, two out of the three games they played it. Um, and so, you know, not like LCS. LCS is a level above collegiate, of course, but like I can see a world where people feel like it's really strong right now, People pick it a lot week one and week two, but they lose all the time with it before. It's like, oh, this is like Sona, Brand, all these other examples you're talking about where, like, for the most part, they're annoying and lame, but once you get out of there, you're fine. What I think the other thing is, though, like you're saying, there's a lot more to be able to do. So, like, the strengths are in other areas. Like, the, be able to take TP on your AD carry and get back to lane. Mm -hmm. You can also just take triple combat summoner. So, one of the things I was hearing from pros was, like, when you pick a Nautilus or something that should kill it in lane, yep. If you don't win that first all-in attempt, which is hard to do versus triple combat summoner, you are then screwed the entire landing phase because you got that turned around on you, your engage is down now, and then the rest of the landing phase, she just sustains and pokes you out. So, like, I can see a world where she is, you know, so unique in the support position that, like, you can handle some of the <clears throat> mid-game difficulties of vision control because you get these other advantages. Yeah. I'm trying to keep an open mind on it 
Um, and whenever there are champions like this released, that, that's what I try and do. And because my initial reaction was as soon as I saw the explanation of even just the first two abilities and her being like uh, the Wisp or whatever that was Dota that's attached to people, yeah. I was like, I absolutely hate that for competitive. Wisp can be attacked though. Well, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And But that's just the, the small uh, yeah, yeah. you know parallel, right? Is yeah. you attach to people. Um, I, and my initial reaction was, oh my God, I hate it. So I am going to keep my mind open, you know, especially for, uh, you know, a first few weeks of how this can change because it might be valuable to have something that's like, oh, this is this has to be lane power and it changes the way you play the game because mm -hmm. you literally cannot roam around because you are walking money bag um, early game and you have to coordinate with people to put you in their backpacks to take you around to the ward or whatever. But I just looking at it, you know, from like a fairly far back view was like, I really hate the idea of, uh, you know, removing positioning and thought from one player in the game to be like in, in untargetable, attached to somebody, um, invincible. And then like, you have to rely on the other person for your positioning. You, you take out some of the more interesting aspects of the game to me uh it it changes quite a few things and it didn't feel to me like it added um enough things in replacement her kid is like super high damage poke thing where she can basically guarantee it because it's just your mouse controlling or whatever yeah. and yeah you have to worry about your it's whoever, really whoever you're on. In range yeah um but other than that it's just like you get stats and you get free heals and move speed and like a giant aoe damage and so I, my initial reaction was I did not like it for competitive. I do see the value for having something like that for solo queue, for people playing with their friends. Uh, you know, you want to bring newer people into the game and stuff like that. Like I can see that for a social game makes a, makes a lot of sense. I think that they should heavily force balance this to be viable for low elo and completely not viable for competitive well so the problem i, I mean not designer obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah and i don't want to throw any shade but like it feels to me from what i see how the kit works from watching it in pro or the, the collegiate scene and, and just watching solo queue of it like i hope isaac's concern or Zale's concerns are right that like in competitive yeah. it doesn't function because it, it's too dependent on teammates because if it is fine and competitive there is no way it's balanced um in solo queue there's because yep. the kit is actually very complicated it's like you said it's supposed to be designed for simple maybe new players to the game that seems to be like the goal is like this mm -hmm. is a, f a fun thing anyone can pick up the, the projectile just follows your mouse it's really simple you attach to someone you just press e on them it's, it's hard to mess up but it's actually super complicated to optimize correctly and all the intricacies of the that's, kit. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, like popping in and off of someone at the right time and understanding how the internal cooldown resets, you can actually pop off someone, body block a skill shot, and then go back. Mm -hmm. uh, you can pop off, and I've been told, I haven't tested it, you can disjoint a skill shot even, uh, like if you, if you buffer it correctly or something. I need to test that one. That could be wrong. But either way, like the trading pattern is actually complicated where like you walk forward, get the auto attack off to get your shield and pop back with your W timing. And you uh -huh. want to pop your W timing correctly so you can disjoint and do that quickly. And like laning is actually really hard on this champion to do 
optimally. Yeah, I, I don't see it as an easy champion. I think yeah. it's actually really complex. And 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 all the things you're talking about just get more complex to do it at the highest level in a yeah. team fight because now you're supposed to be doing this and bouncing around all different members. But yeah. like I mean I I do get the idea that like the lowest common level of play is you just I attached you and now I will sit on you for the rest of the game right and like if you're looking at it like that but I, I think it's a pretty complex champion right so like it's fine if the skill ceiling is low but if the, the skill ceiling is also high and people can win at, at the high skill ceiling then you have to nerf that and then you're pushing the, the overall power of the champion down unless yeah. you really re kind of take away some of the more complex parts yeah. of the kit. There's, and that's what they would have to do, right? right? That is what the designers end up doing often when they're trying to push something out of pro and, and into, into you know, solo queue. It's more about, like, you know, uh, nerfing some of, the, like, the higher skill aspect type things. I do think one of the, some of the unique strengths that Yumi does have that can make it powerful is the fact, A, double double combat summoners, which you, which you mentioned, right? You don't need flash because you have W. You're normally attached to people. That is your escape. So you're using double combat summoners. You do not need to rush early boots you can go incredibly squishy builds and not really care about that to have a lot of extra power so things like mage eyes if you're winning the game can be incredibly effective because if your team is ahead and you're winning every team fight you should always have someone to attach to if you're playing it well to stay alive uh, i've been seeing a lot of people you know have a lot of uh, success with things like you know mage eyes and an early ardent sensor and, and these sorts of builds that have have like no HP whatsoever in them and are pure squish, but they're very, very effective because you don't have to care about the fact that you can get one shot because you're always untargetable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, my problems for, for that on all these strengths are like, those are just super frustrating for the opponents. I guess mm -hmm. my question is like, does it add enough of a positive of for the Yumi, like hopping off, in and off people and you know, the team working around, uh, you know, uh, cat juggling, I guess. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> is 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 that is that adding uh, you know the positives that we want to see in uh, competitive because uh, that was that was my initial reaction was I'd rather have it be a solo queue focused thing mm -hmm. rather than see it uh, in right like like Rise is like a competitive champion where that ultimate mm -hmm. is like no one in solo queue is going to use that. Mm -hmm. like as a team well whereas like in, in pro it's like wow the teleport from pushing a lane to baron is super strong you know like i hope yumi ends up more and they'll like this is really good for solo queue like you said it's good for newer players playing with mm -hmm. friends maybe um if it is good and competitive which is what i've heard from some people and when i see the kid it looks complicated i i really hope that they push it back towards the solo queue realm because like you're saying i don't think it adds a ton for competitive um and if it's just really strong and competitive, then it, it's not going to reach its goal of being a noob-friendly champion because its win rate has to be low because it's, like, crushing Diamond or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be interested. I'm kind of reserving judgment until I actually get to see it on yeah. LCS stage because I don't, you know, scrim results yeah. often often don't mean it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, will people be willing to risk, you know, playing it, you know, for for even the vision game? And 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 it's, it's also just so hard for me to really establish, like, strong opinions other than what I think as far as, like, the more meta stuff, like I'm talking about with vision, because both when I've played as it and when I've played against it, I have very little confidence that either side is playing it correctly, yeah. right? Because <laughs> yeah. because it's not just about like, oh, you know how to play Morgana well, right? It's you two both yeah, yeah, have yeah, to yeah. know how to play as Yumi, and and that hasn't really happened. So like when I've played against it and slammed it, I'm like, 
we can probably beat this. But then when I hear, you know, some of the other thoughts of like, oh, triple combat summoners and when you're, you know, disjointing skill shots and doing these things, I'm like, yeah. well, maybe my all wouldn't work then. You know, like, yeah. so uh, because it's so unlike what we have seen before in League, uh, I really do think it needs some time to actually shake out at the highest level. And even for solo queue, for people to learn how to play as and against it, you know, not just as the supports, but as as the bot laners themselves. I agree. I'm I am concerned, but not pressing the panic button yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't bans. think yeah. we have yeah. bans and competitive. Yeah. Worst case, it's OP. It gets banned red side every game. We've had that for all of League of Legends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's why we're saying keep an open mind yeah. because you never should hit the panic button right at the beginning. It's yeah. sometimes fun though. <laughs> have you ever just? freaked out yeah and then... that's what i'm saying where he's like i'm not gonna have a strong opinion it's fun to have a strong opinion no it's as soon as you see devil stuff. well i mean i gave my, gave my strong opinion but more just <laughs> i have been seeing some very large what i've considered to be overreaction well of, to which chat uh, yeah, of yeah. people people saying yumi is gonna ruin competitive and stuff and i'm like uh, worst case you just ban it every game i i don't know if if the general reddit slash twitch chat community opinion is different but like uh -huh. they think it's terrible when it got picked in, in collegiate, you know, I would have Twitch chat up a yeah, little bit yeah. and I would like look and see what people think. They're like, oh my God, they picked Yumi, they're trolling. And I'm like, wait, you cast with Twitch chat up? That's crazy to me. Sometimes. Not like, I'm not like staring at it. He's trolling. He is trolling. Why is that trolling? That's super trolling. Why is it trolling? Because you got to pay attention, attention to the, to the game. game. It's pick ban. I'm you paying attention to your, <laughs> yeah. your co caster I don't know how long you think it, like, you don't have the mental capacity to like read a sentence oh, or two. Oh, he's going to turn uh, around. Uh, I, yeah. I am blaming you guys. Yeah, <laughs> come on. We yeah. can't think through our pick and ban in the chat. No, we, we can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely more beneficial right, right, right. It's also to look at all the captives in the Twitch chat. I would argue it has value to see what the community perception of a champion locking is so for the first time. For the first time. Yeah, because if people think it's okay, okay. if people think it's poo-poo and it's not poo-poo, <laughs> I need to tell them that it's not poo-poo. So a large part of what I say. Hey, Bob Dole 33, you're wrong. <laughs> I didn't target Bob Dole's in the Twitch chat. Yeah. Is that actual Bob Dole? No, it's 33. It's just, <laughs> what know, happened it's to that guy? Okay. I don't even know. I'm just saying that like <laughs> knowing what the out. community thinks allows you to cater what you're saying so I could explain like the Yumi mechanics and what makes so you're just strong. Twitch chat chill. That's <laughs> all. I just want to be liked. Okay. I don't want to have strong opinions. Yeah. All right. We got some Twitter questions to say. I think you tweeted out before the show, no, maybe. Oh, you did it? Oh, I'm trolling you then. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> I don't think we have any Twitter questions then. Uh, more patch talk? Because we can talk about Ginsu's nerf. Um, uh, I mean, we. Scuttle Crab change. So I actually wanted to talk about. Let me check, see if I got some questions. I still wanted to talk about the uh, Runic Echoes buff because yeah. um, it's a significant gold buff to the AP jungle item. If you haven't seen, it's. I mean, it's, it's cheaper. This, yeah. It's still 910. Um, but I already felt like Elise, at least Elise and Karthus, maybe Evelyn, which has shown up even already in some pro games before the buff were super viable AP options uh, if we we're going to have more AD laners and, uh, you know, people diversify. But I'm actually pretty excited. With this buff, I definitely see strong resurgence of AP junglers. I hope that it's not a majority of Karthus, though, because I think that both Elise and Evelyn are um, a bit more interesting than, the, uh, you know, farm and, farm and press uh, ultimates coming down. But I do think that all three of those are going to be super viable now. Well, I think also with the Ginsu's, or not, I just want to say Ginsu's, the Scuttle Crab change should help yeah. all those junglers because they're all more three well, onwards. Least, yeah. yeah. The other two still are not really going to be contest contesting Scuttle Crabs, mm -hmm. but at least Elise will be a little easier to play potentially with, with that change. Uh, 
Champion pets also now apply the burn. Another Elise buff. The little. Yeah, that's I, a, this is the tiniest change that <laughs> I've seen to a jungle item ever. Is Heimer viable now? Is that a pet? Zyra jungle? Yeah. It's back. Here I think go. Zyra might maybe be the biggest that. I don't know. Uh, I, I think Zyra Jungle small. when it first got changed to you know, Morgana and Zyra of, of a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. It never really picked up. Yeah. Uh, I think the Ginsu's one's pretty big from what, I, what I've mm. heard is it's pushing crit marksman a little higher up. Mm. Like, it's not a straight nerf from like the two to three because you do get the 15% uh, pen on it. But from what I've heard, like Varus, Kaisa, people are trying to find new builds, see if they're still good for the most part. Yeah. People are liking Zaya, Sivir, even some Caitlyn, like crit champions. So yeah. that could change the meta a little bit to be better for teams like probably Team Liquid and Clutch and like the more uh, bot oriented teams potentially or bot carry teams. But yeah, I just see, I see a bit of bottom lane change and some. Uh, influx of AP jungle, but that's about it. I think yeah. solo lanes stay very much the same for me. Like mm -hmm. Akali, Aurelia, Silas, these types of things are all still going to be super strong. I think those are still in there. I didn't, and there were no changes to updates for Sona Taric as a strategy either. So I think that is still a possible, uh, you know, option down in the bottom lane, even with all the. That's interesting because it stuff. didn't really work at MSI. Yeah, I mean, I heard from a couple of players, though, that there's, I mean, they at least still find it really annoying, which to me makes it sound like it's still strong for scrims, at least. Sonoteric or, or the... Yeah. Well, I, I could see it being... I've been hearing some stuff about Funnel, too. Some people have been I, I know that, that a lot of teams have been practicing They're practicing it. Yeah. I don't know if we'll see it or not, but that is one change that I'm not yeah. looking forward to. I'm hoping well, that it's at least not a dominant strategy. Yeah, well, what I heard was that it is not dominant. Yeah. However, it is definitely an option, and teams are practicing it. And yeah. so I'm actually not that upset. As, as much as I was like, ah, you know, I didn't really like funnel games, it being a strategy that is okay but slightly bad I think is a good spot. Yeah, yeah. I think... Uh, Crumbs has been the one tweeting a lot about Leona Mordekaiser as a funnel strat <laughs> mid. Whatever new Mord or Old Mord? Uh, old Mord. And New Mord, I don't think, is on PBE yet. Might be. I don't know. Okay. Anyways, Old Mord, Leona funnel with it because he gets the XP share and all that stuff. Uh, if that's, like, not a dominant strategy, but, like, hey, you can maybe find a win against a better team than you because they're... That sounds fun. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. sure. I think kind of off-meta strategy should be in the meta. <laughs> as weird as that says. <laughs> Out of meta, in the meta strategies. This is the big brain looks at Twitch chat while casting. Yeah. So we yeah. might not be able to follow. Well, to be fair, explanation. He's not able to look at Twitch chat during this. So yeah. his, his what, what opinion can I steal? Someone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I agree. It's, I it's I don't like when the, the when the primary strategy in the meta is like the it's ardent one. sensor. Play it, and if yeah. you're not going to play it bot lane, put Ivern in your team comp. You need it. You know, like I didn't like that meta. I like when there's more yeah. creativity. Yeah, enough. and and to be fair, I think at, at MSI we had a lot of that, right? We actually yep. had did have diverging strategies. If if some funnel is thrown in the mix, I'm totally happy with that. But yeah. I'm I'm definitely excited for the season to get going and to to see, you know, how wrong we are about some of these uh, predictions. But uh, it it should be a lot of fun. I think you know having some changes at the bottom of the table makes a lot of those teams exciting to to watch again to see how it's actually going to shake out. I'm so excited to see how the top three are going to be performing. You know them fighting, going towards Rift Rivals, going mm -hmm. towards Worlds. I'm actually really, really excited to see how well they're performing because I feel more invested in in the success of of those top three teams in the early season than oh, otherwise yeah. because I want to see them representing well at Rift Rivals. Yeah, we're coming back to summer, I feel like, with such a crazy amount of hype because, like I said before, like, you know, Team Liquid doing that well on the international stage just made me feel 
really like proud. I like we have three titans ready to clash here in summer and everyone's going to follow. Oh my god, they dropped a game to this team. Oh no, what's going wrong? They're going to I mean, even if one of them doesn't make it to Worlds, that means like this other team came up and uh-huh. you know, took over that position. So I'm I'm really excited too that we're actually not just like these changes are crazy. Hopefully we're good. It's like we are good. Now let's see who gets to get to the top of the, the pyramid. Yeah. All right, that is gonna do it for this episode of the dive. Join us for summer. We're gonna have Team Liquid versus TSM on Saturday. Hype. The show with countdown starts at 1:30, so tune in then. <laughs>